This week on Let's Make It, episode 13, we're going to start talking about uh, wireless using Zigbee and XB uh, chips with the Arduino. No coding this week, but lots of learning to do. All that coming up. Let's Make It is brought to you by Ting, the new way everyone is getting their cell service. No overage penalties, great rates, keep what you do not use, no contracts, and someone will actually pick up the phone when you need support. Use our link and get $25 off your first month's service or your new phone. Just go to tech-zen.tv ting to save $25. Hello, welcome to episode 13 of Let's Make It. Uh, and this night has been a wild one for me. Uh, this whole thing got started late tonight, almost an hour and 15 minutes late uh, for the rec live recording. And uh, I don't know if anybody missed me and didn't come back or what, but uh, this week we're going to do wireless. And I was getting everything ready, had already had it ready, and I was going through and testing it all like I always try to do before I come in here. Uh, and uh, had some problems, couldn't get it to work. And I think what happened was... I may have static electricity ruined uh, a Zigbee unit, one of my Zigbee units. So I went to another project that I had, tore it apart, and took the Zigbee unit out of it, and it seemed to work. So that's what my guess is. I'll spend some more time when I'm not under the pressure uh, to record this. And actually tonight, if you're watching on the live stream and you are hanging around, I'm actually doing two shows tonight because next week I'm not going to be here. So um, I'm putting two down tonight. Want to go out uh, as soon as I get it edited, and the next one will stay in the can until next week. And my wife Michelle is going to release it for me because I'm not, not going to be anywhere where I can actually release it. Uh, if something happens, she doesn't get to it. It will go live uh, via uh, podcast or RSS stream and the website all by itself. The only thing it's manually released right now is the YouTube. So you don't see it on YouTube. Go to the website and you can still watch it there. No problem. So let's because we're going to do wireless, and we are going to do wireless this week. We're going to walk through some Zigbee stuff. Or I'm going to show you the XB stuff. Uh, we're not really going to run any code tonight because the setup part is actually the hardest part of this whole thing. In next week's episode, we're going to walk through the code, which is super simple. Uh, we're actually going to take last week's project, which was the servo, and not change it one bit and have remote control servo. So um, that's how easy it is to implement. So this week is the, actually the hardcore week. And uh, but before I get started, I keep mentioning about all this stuff I've been getting, so I want to go through some of it. First of all, we knew we were, a couple weeks ago we were working on uh, the, the check to see if my stream is up, which, by the way, we're now streaming uh, on uh, Justin TV and um, netstream.com, in addition to Ustream because of the Ustream problems. These are the boxes I got for the on air light. Now you can see I haven't done anything with them yet, but uh, they're just a couple bucks. They were a couple bucks from um, Hobby Lobby online so i can just take the, the tops of them off and uh put the plastic with the red leds behind it and uh make this make this so I haven't gotten to them yet as you can tell uh probably wouldn't be a hard box to make i'm just not very good with wood type things so all right so what else have i gotten here okay so this is something people start playing with here soon too this is an android stick so what you see on the end is a hdmi actually let me go and I'll show you here. You can see on, I gotta go, there it is. On the end, 
is an HDMI. It plugs right into a monitor, HDMI monitor, and on the there on the side there's a little memory slot right there. And on the end down here, you have one USB for power and one USB for keyboard and mouse, etc. So very small. It's kind of neat. Hangs in the back. There's a little Android there. Uh, I actually was going to do some malware reverse engineering for Android with this. So, um, but it has many other things I like to, to play with it as well. You can see a little speaker right there. So um, it booted up real quick. I just did a little test with it to see what it did when it came up. I uh, didn't spend a lot of time on it yet, but something else we can talk about in the future here. Um, let's make it more toys to play with. All right, so that's that. Um, and as we've seen before, we've talked about these. Let me get all this stuff out of the way. This is a Raspberry Pi. And actually, that's the newest one that I have. This is the actually the another one that I have. And one of the things I mentioned before was my own air light. I was going to do a Python strip script in here and do that. And the reason I was going to do that is because this is a Wi-Fi uh, adapter and it just plugs right in like, yeah, it does plug in. I had it in here like this and I could stick out in one of those boxes and that would be all there would be to it. Um, this port up here allows me to control, uh, it's the IO port so I can do some control like I can with the Arduinos and it would actually be Wi-Fi, so it wouldn't have to uh, have even that cord plugged in. I can pretty much put the light anywhere as long as I had power. So this is what I'm probably going to use in those boxes that I just had. So that's that. That's the Wi-Fi adapter that I got for the Raspberry Pis. Very cool, very cool little thing. And I have this new LCD, which is kind of cool. It's a little different, than a different form factor than the other ones that I've had in the past. The ones that I had in the past were more long. This one is words this way, but very long, many lines on it. So um, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but I'm looking forward to playing with it. It's a different color. It's kind of like, I don't want to call it paper white, but it's a similar thing to paper white. So we'll have to see how well it works. So that was the stuff I've been talking about the last couple weeks. I just brought it all back in here today and just to, to show you all what's coming up and some things I'm going to be playing with. So this week we're going to talk about, I'm getting here in my hand, XB, and I have a bunch of adapters here we're going to show you. Um, it's Zigbee, so if you go looking for Zigbee, you can see all these little adapters right here. Uh, this is a, a shield that goes on top of the Arduino, and I'll give you some com my comments about that. I do have some comments, not all of them great, but not, you know, it's always what it is. This is a, a basically a USB adapter to program these. Now, there's a way you can do it with that shield, and I'm going to tell you about that, um, but I think that programming them is easier with this, and I'll explain why uh, I think that. So if you're looking for, the, for um, the stuff to do Zigbee, I would definitely get one of these. They're actually really cheap, like nine bucks. Uh, and it's going to save you from breaking things. And I'll explain all this in a little bit here, uh, the pros and cons to that. And if you're actually, if you're running an Arduino, well, the Unos, the Unos work fine. It wouldn't work with Leonardo because you got to take the chip out of the Arduino for it to treat the program using that shield, which is something I'll talk about as well. So let's first look at the chips here. And this is what we're going to start with is XB. And XB is not, is nothing mean Zigbee. Zigbee is a protocol in itself. So it's best if you want to understand the Zigbee protocol to go out. XB is 
uses Zigbee. It just it's it's by Digi.com, so it's their version of uh, Zigbee on a little chip. And you can see the antenna built right in right here. Real small. This, these are the small antennas. I think it's 100 feet or something like that. Um, and I think mileage may vary. You can get them to have little stubby antennas on top, like little, you know, about that long or so, and they stick off the top. You can get them to have adapters. You plug in the end down here, and you run and put an external antenna on it. So there's many different form factors for them. These are just the ones that I've been playing with, and uh, seems to work fine for what my experiments have been. I think uh, the project I'm using that uses this all in the long term will have to go to be either an external antenna or the little piece of wire that sticks off the end. Probably the external antenna will be better uh, for what I'm trying to use it for. But for proof, proof, proof of concept, these work great. The cost goes up a little bit, the bigger the antenna, things like that, and the more power you get as well. So this is the XB unit, and you can see it has little pins on the bottom, and the actual electronics are down in this part right here, and you can see the actual physical address of the chip on here. So, uh, one thing I want to you to notice, though, is these pins are closer together than an average pin. I can't remember what the size of the pins are, um, but there's different specs on sizes of pins. So if you have a breadboard, this will not fit in a typical breadboard. So, something to remember. All right, so this other one that I had, and I think this is from Sane Electronics. Let me just check it here. Uh, just to make sure. No, this is from SparkFun. You can see SparkFun. Give them a little little plug there, sparkfun.com. And this actually takes and will hold this chip on it so you can talk to it. In fact, uh, if you're going to just play with it serially, communicating between two of them, like on two different computers, this is the best way to do it. You see right on here it has a USB port, a micro USB port, or a mini USB port, not micro, mini. And uh, this basically has a serial UART on it, and this talks serial. For the most part, you can do it with three pins, or four pins. You can do it with send, receive pins, uh, data in, data out, and ground in power. And power for this is three volts, not five volts, something also important to remember. Uh, otherwise, it may not be working for very long for you. So, um, but there are other pins on here that do many other things. Um, I have not used any of them. In fact, there's some on this other shield that I'm going to tell you are a little bit annoying. Um, so, let me just push this out of the way and go over to the shield. So this is, I think this is a Sane Smart. It is, it says Sane Smart right on it. And this is an XB Pro shield. And it's, let me grab an Arduino here. Let's see, where do I have an Arduino sitting? I have one in here somewhere. And let me show you a few of the problems that I have with this. All right, so here's the shield, here's the Arduino, and it actually goes on like this. So it only uses really a few pins. So it uses pins zero and one on this side right here, the same pins that the serial port uses because it's actually transmitting via serial. So all these other pins are not in use. So you can, I put on the crooked, okay, so you can put other things in these pins and they don't give you access to pins zero and one because they're using them. So this starts at uh, pin two and goes up and then when it's on the Arduino, you can see you have access to the upper pins as well. So you see these pins up here, you can still get access to. However, the one pin that I seem like I needed the most, which was the five volt pin is covered. So it's you can, I got around it and the way I got around it was I took a, 
a piece of uh, solid wire, instead of using these nice plugs like this, I have these nice plugs for uh, breadboarding. Unless I bent one, which I didn't really want to do, um, I would be out of luck. So what I did is I took a piece of solid wire like this right here and just bent the ends down and bent it or put that in the five volt pin. And when it's sandwiched together, there's enough space in there when this is on here that you can still get the, the wire out. So that is a problem uh, if you're trying to do anything else with it other than send data back and forth. Uh, besides that, it's not that bad of a board. It's a little bit weird shaped. Um, I don't know exactly why they laid it out that way, but it, you know, it works fine um, from that point of view. Now, the one thing that's different uh, is you see these two little blue uh, jumpers right here. I think you can see them better this way. And uh, actually they're coming off. Let me put them back on tighter. This determines what the Zigbee talks to. So when they're in the front position, the Zigbee is listening to the serial port that is coming from the Arduino right here, this chip. When you put them on this backside, it talks to the USB UART that is on the Arduino. However, here's where a little bit of the weirdness comes in. You cannot talk to the Zigbee unit using the USB UART while this chip is in this slot. If you want to use the Arduino as the, as the UART, the USB UART, you have to take this chip out. And when you do that, it works fine, and it's just like using this, this little thing. So that's why I said in the beginning, this is probably a good option because I will tell you taking that chip out gets a little scary because it's in there pretty tight. Unless you've got a chip puller and you're really good at pulling it out straight, you could ruin your chip for your Arduino. So I've done that. I've taken this out a couple times because I only have one of these, and when I was trying to debug, I needed two. So I've used one of these like that, and that's how I know it works, works well. So anyways, this is the, the shield. And other than little weirdness things, like can't get the five volts. Uh, you can see ground up here. You can still get the ground, it's fine. There's no five volt. I wanted to put a pin on top for five volts, but they didn't. So uh, the way you get around it is just bend a piece of wire underneath there and it works fine. Uh, I don't know if that's an oversight or what. You think it would have been an easy thing because they're actually taking their five volts from this plug right here. And you can see on the bottom that plugs in, or is it right there? You can see it plugs in. That's where they get their five volts from. They could have put a five volt pin on top right here, uh, right on top of this one. They just could have put another jumper on top of it for five volts. And that would have been just fine. Just, uh, just a complaint. <laughs> Otherwise, it works pretty decent. I mean, um, the jumper thing is a little bit difficult. Um, here's the other thing: if you if you want to program the Arduino with this attached, you can you can't. Um, you can take this off, or you pull out the two blue pins, and then you can program the Arduino. So um, if you are trying to program the Arduino with this plugged in, it's going to come back and fail. Just, that's just a, a forewarning if you're wondering what's going on when you're trying to program the Arduino. So that's the shield. And that's, again, that's from SaneSmart. And there's a couple other ones out there as well. And they all seem to work exactly the same. They all use serial ports, the, the serial main serial port. So uh, the advantage to using the main serial port, which you'll see next week, is it makes programming uh, stuff with the Zigbee and the XB stuff super simple. In fact, like I said in the beginning, we're going to take the exact same program we used in last week's show and control a servo remotely via wireless using the exact same program with no code changes. That's how that's how nice it integrates. So that's a great example. So this this is the hardware for doing Zigbee using XB. Now there's other options out there as well. Um, but XB seems to be the one that's like leading the pack for uh, the hobbyist type thing. So, all right. So 
that's the hardware, and let me just say that was the easy part. Uh, we're going to walk through, and I'm going to attempt to walk through. Let's put it that way. I'm going to swing on this board because I'm going to need to use this board to show you what you got to do to get one of these things to work. And all right, so there you see it's on the board, nice and snug, snug as a bug in a rug. All right, let's come over here. I'm going to plug this in now. You know, uh, I'm a Mac person. That causes a problem because they don't have Mac software. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hop over to my computer and what you're going to see is a Windows machine in my VM. And if you uh, wonder how I'm doing that, you can just a couple Mac Minute episodes. So I plugged it in and it's asking me, do I want to connect to the Mac or to the Windows? I'm gonna connect to Windows. And let's see, can I increase my screen size to help you guys see this? Let me go check that out. Well, it didn't help make the screen any bigger. <laughs> it, but anyway, you see I'm in a very busy Windows machine. So uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes rather than put it on the screen here as to where you go get this software. It, it comes from, um, well, I can go show you that pretty easy, I think. It comes from digi.com. And if you go look for products, you'll see wireless in here somewhere. Um, actually, just do this. Let's search for XB, and you'll find it. So here's all their XB stuff down here, and you can get to the software uh, as easy as well. Just go into the products. But I'll put a link out there for the software. And it, again, it only runs on Windows, and it takes a little while to install, so that's why I don't want to do it live. Um, I, you know, I mentioned earlier about that's a Wi-Fi unit, and that did, did it count. They make all kinds of units. So here's the Digi Mesh, XB Digi Mesh. There's the little ones with the little things on top, throwing antennas on top. So there's different kinds out here. But anyways, before I get off too far on a tangent, um, I'll put the link out to the software to download it. And what you're looking to download, and it comes down as a weird name. It comes down as like C something. Uh, yeah, it comes down as this right here. It's 4000300002 underscore C dot exe. A little weird, but it's called XCTU. And it's right here. So I'm going to go ahead and load up XCTU. And you'll see that it has a USB serial port COM3. That is me. And it's set up for a nice 600 baud and no flow control. I'm going to go over here to the modem configuration because this is already working. Now, let me just tell you, I had a little bit of difficulty getting this to work. And let me see, can I zoom in anywhere on this for you? Uh, I can't. Let me see if I can get the screen a little bit bigger for us because this is going to be hard for you to see this Windows machine. There we go. That makes it much easier to see now. Okay. Very good. All right, so I am already plugged in now. Downloading XCTU and install, so it took a good 10, 15 minutes to download updates. When it says you want to download updates, I definitely recommend you download updates. So um, I have it plugged in, and I'm gonna go over here and I'm going to say read the firmware. 
and you see I'm running XP802 my function set. So here's where it got confusing for me is what I've read about doing this says I have to install different firmware for uh, the controller versus the client. And in this case, I didn't have to do that. So I don't even see in the function set anything about it being a controller. So, uh, and everything, this thing works, if you're used to the, if you came from the history of uh, Hayes modems, this is gonna feel very familiar to you. So let's go to the terminal, and I'm going to do plus, 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 and those from Hayes know what this is, and let's say I wanna see what my high destination address is. Oops. Destination high address, so, and then the destination low address. So you see it's very, very familiar with AT commands. Um, and everything's based on that. Now here's the thing about this. It doesn't stay in this command very long. So if I sit here and I just talk to you for 10 seconds or so, and I'm gonna go in and type AT, oh, AT no answer back. Because now I'm sending that out over wireless uh, AT. So, but the nice thing about this XCTU is it does all this stuff for you right here and it comes back and tells you what all your settings are. So, uh, destination high address is right here. Destination low address is right here. Uh, now, in this case, I have, let's see, this, I have my association set up. I don't think this is, this is uh, the client. Because see where here it says coordinator enable? In this particular unit, if you set this to one, you become the coordinator and um, you can only have one coordinator in an XP network, and there's a few things about the XP network you have to have exactly the same, otherwise they can't see each other. One of them being the channel. So I'm running channel C, and I'm using the default PAN ID, and this is something area network. I can't remember what the P stands for. But basically, you can have up to, um, I can't remember what the total number is. I think it's like 4,000 different network IDs. So you can have multiple networks in the same range of each, each other, and they would basically ignore each other unless they have this PAN ID equal. The default for all Zigbee, or all XB, not necessarily Zigbee, all XB, is 3332. So that's the default. So if you get an XB and you have it to the channel C and you don't change anything else, uh, channel, channel C, it was different for me because I had one of them came in channel C, one of them came in channel D, which was confusing until we wanted to figure out what that was. Um, but if you're on the same channel and you come in with the default PAN ID, you can pretty much talk to each other at that point. All right, so a couple other things. You need to set your destination high address, which is, from what I can tell, always 13A200. I think that is the destination high address for XB's products, the Digi XB products. Um, because this is basically a 64-bit address just like a MAC address is on your computer. So uh, just like a MAC address, the upper part of it is, is assigned to the manufacturer and then the bottom address is uh, manufacturer provided. So um, I assume that this 13A200 is the manufacturer address for Digi's XP products. So um, everyone I've ever had so far has been exactly the same. So that's where you're going to, you want to talk to a device that has the high address. This is assuming you want to use 64-bit, which I'm, I'm going to tell you you want to use 64-bit. Ignore the 16-bit addressing where this is equal to zero. Just completely ignore it. Don't even, don't even worry about it. Um, 
because you'll see that later on there's many more advantages the 64-bit and uh, then the destination low address which is the actual serial number of the device so if you look at mine right here you see serial number low so my if you want to talk to this particular chip you would address 407 B73C0 in a destination address now I wouldn't do it to myself obviously but another unit will put that in the destination low address and then anything you typed in the serial port would be sent to that address and then my source address uh, FFFE uh, I can't remember what that means it's a default of some kind I can remember I think I can look at the documentation but uh, you don't have to worry about that necessarily unless you're this with this and this unit is, is going to send out so there's a couple other things down here some um, recover times I left all this stuff default with the exception of after reading I did change this a1 to be six which was the end device association method which basically says try to associate with a coordinator and in the coordinator side I had to um, change it to be six as well and I can remember what that was that was like accept and change channel or something like that um, and I found it all by random actually uh, I just kind of fell upon all that stuff uh, somewhere so I'll make sure all stuff's out in the show notes as well and then there's this association indication and I didn't talk about this on on uh, the shield it was something that drives me nuts because I don't like things that blink for no reason <laughs> but uh, uh, it seems to blink for no reason there's an uh, association indicator on this and I can go show it to you so you can see what it is I'm talking about so if it if it drives you nuts you can just tend to ignore it as well so on this unit right here there's a light at the top and it says association next to it and it just blinks all the time okay and that get to stop even when it's associated when it's not associated it just blinks so I don't know quite what that means but I'm assuming maybe some of that code the settings in there uh, does something with that but I don't know so um, if you go out and I'm gonna recommend a book that talks about some of this stuff however the book doesn't go into great detail about some of this because I think this stuff is newer than the book but the book does walk through getting you set up and working and it uh, it takes a while to do you gotta set some time aside because it will frustrate you <laughs> it frustrated me that's for sure uh, till I got it working and I'm a little bit better at it but still if I don't do it for a little while I'll come back and I'm like what's going on here and uh, but the way that we are using it on our one uh, project we're working on is if you set the destination address low equal to four F's F F F F it is a broadcast so as long as the high address is correct and you're on the right pan ID and the right channel anything that's on these three will receive the broadcast that goes out the problem is when you do a broadcast it will not be rebroadcast so anything that's within listening distance will get it however that's not always what you want because one of the things about Zigbee is it's meshed so if I would specify at another Zigbee that I want my destination low address to be this 407B73C0, which is this particular chip that I'm looking at, and it could not talk directly to it. Other ones that were listening would intercept it and retransmit it for, on behalf of the, of the chip. So it makes a mesh. It will keep retransmitting. Now, there is also how many times we allow it to be retransmitted. I think three is the default. Uh, that is in here somewhere. I saw it. There is a transmit... Uh, Okay, well, here's your power level and your beacon threshold, things like that. Um, interface data rate, parity. 
Somewhere in here it tells you how many times it will retransmit. I think it's three. I read that somewhere. Um, I don't see it right now, but if trust me, it's there. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you can go three hops away from yourself that to get to the device you're trying to talk to uh, to get it delivered. But in broadcast mode, it doesn't work. And I think that's a feature that I want to take advantage advantage of. Uh, even though right now the project it seems working just fine, and we retransmit it uh, more than once a second. Actually, uh, I believe it's four or five times a second, the data that we need everybody to see. So everybody needs to see the data. That's why a broadcast made sense to us. Um, if we don't do it that way, we have to do some kind of registration protocol where every time like, something comes online, it registers, and we know who we have to talk to. And it's just more I.O. So uh, there's pros and cons to doing both in our case. But that is how you go in and set up uh, your XP. Now, you may not have the same model, or you may not have the same, and you may change models, and your function set may have a controller or, uh, I mean, a coordinator, or it may have a node, and it's because you're one or the other. You can't be you can't be both, and only one controller or coordinator per network is allowed. So you may have to do a different function set. The instructions in the book that I linked to um, is going to tell you that you need to put a different piece of firmware, different function function set on there to be the coordinator. In my case, I didn't have to do that, and I tried figuring out how to do it, and I couldn't. Eventually, figured it out. I just hit the one, and it worked. All right, so um, I think that's all I want to cover. Um, there is some good references on XP that do a much better job than me explaining the XP protocol uh, in the meshing, but uh, it's definitely interesting to go out and read it. If you just search for um, uh, Zigbee, you will find plenty of stuff. Um, I found some really good stuff on, well, first of all, I wasn't impressed with Digi's website at all about any of this stuff. Um, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm very underwhelmed about Digi's stuff, to be totally honest. I'm no, not impressed at all, but... Um, what was the site that I found the XP? They had a really good XP, or uh, I'm sorry, Zigbee. I can spell it right. Zogby, Zigbee. Zigbee. Well, the Zigbee, oh, Wikipedia heavy article, but there was something else here. Um, I think it might have been the Zigbee.org, probably. No, it wasn't that one. That should even be on listed on here. Where was it? Well, Sparkfun has some good articles as well. But they're more product oriented, uh, but they have some tutorials in the tutorials section right there as well. But XP seems to be the standard, and uh, uh, what was it? the Wikipedia article was really good too. So. Um, definitely start there, and they have some references too. Um, they have some little older hardware that's out there right now, but still, it's pretty decent as far as documentation and stuff goes. And it's actually on the Zigbee. Um, the XB stuff is is, uh, is everywhere too. You can go out and look for that. In fact, you can go to the Arduino website and, and find stuff about the XB. So there you see some another XB shield different than the one I have. But yeah, tons of stuff. Just go out and look, look through it. You'll find it. Um, and then next week, we'll go through the programming uh, on how to write programs for the um, XP shield and chip. And actually, it's um, you'll be amazed at how simple it is. It's one of the simpler projects we've done so far, really. And, um, the hardest part is getting it set up and working. 
And uh, what I would actually probably recommend you do is if you're gonna go out and buy Zigbee stuff, buy two of these red things. Because what you can do is you can put them on the same computer and have one communicate to the other using a terminal program. And that's how you can make sure they're working. Um, that's basically what I was using um, this minus the chip for was, I was on the same machine and just set up the USB between them to, when I finally got to the point where I saw one sending to the other, I was like doing the happy dance because it was that difficult to do. Um, and then tonight when I get, I get it, what was working out and plug it in, it doesn't work anymore and I'm pulling my hair out. Uh, and then I finally basically did the same thing. I went out and made them talk to each other. They couldn't talk to each other anymore. You know, they configured properly. Um, I realized I probably had ruined it by touching it the other day when I picked it up and I got shocked. So I got another one, I have another project and it worked right off. So that's what it was. I'm assuming that's what it was. So, but yeah, definitely pick up uh, the two of these bread things because it's a fast way to make sure you're, what you're doing. Because if you start writing an Arduino project, you can't tell necessarily what it's doing. So you make sure they're talking to each other prior to that. It's a very uh, good way to, to learn to learn all about that. Otherwise, you'd be pulling, pulling some hair out. And uh, I'm starting to lose my hair here anyway, so I don't think I need to pull any more of it out. All right, that's it for this week. Um, again, next week, I am not going to be live. Uh, we will get the show out. It's going to be scheduled to go out. And uh, we will show you how to talk between two different Arduinos using Zigbee, using the XB that we just talked about, and controlling a servo remotely, like a remote control servo. And uh, just a few reminders, if you're watching us on YouTube, please uh, give us a thumbs up there and uh, hit the like button and, and uh, uh, then also do a share and share it with some of your friends. Uh, the best way for us to get found is with your help. And if you're watching us on iTunes, I'd definitely appreciate if you got to iTunes. And uh, leave, a, leave a comment for us. That helps us get up in the rankings in iTunes so that people can find us. Uh, iTunes is very, uh, very much based on ratings. So that definitely helps us. And the same thing goes with Stitcher. If you're listening on Stitcher, of course, if you're listening on Stitcher, you probably want to go back to the website or to YouTube and watch the episode. Uh, these type of shows are very much visual. Uh, unlike some of our other shows that make sense to be audio, uh, I can listen to an audio and get everything from it. Uh, this show is a very visual show. We record normally live every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Tonight, I got started like an hour and 15 minutes late because I couldn't figure out what's wrong with the Zigbee uh, stuff before I came in here. And until uh, I, I figured it out, I was just running late. And uh, next week, like I said, we're not live, but we typically are live at 7 p.m. every Tuesday night. We have a live chat room. You can watch us live on Ustream. You can now watch us live on Justin TV. Uh, and we're on a couple of networks. We're also now a member of the techpodcast.com network. Uh, and that is, they're available on, on um, Roku. And we are available on Roku now too with our own Roku app. We can get, you can watch us uh, on your Blackberry. You can also watch us on your Windows phone. You can listen to us on your Zoom. So we're we're pretty much everywhere now. We're trying to get, we're trying to get even more everywhere than we are right now. Uh, but if you have a project you want to like to see us uh, do or have questions, we definitely appreciate the feedback. We've been getting emails, and I love the email. I'm a little slow at responding because I got so many things going on, but I do respond, uh, and I do it as quickly as I can. And sometimes you may just find the answer on the show as well. If you have a project you're working on and you want to send, create a video and send it to us, we'd love to see it. Uh, just put it up on YouTube or Vimeo, somewhere like that. Send us a link and we'll put it on a future show. We uh, love the feedback from the users uh, and from the, uh, the viewers and everybody. So the more feedback, the better. So that is it for this week. And this week we are brought to you by Ting. 
Wow, do I have something to tell you about today, man? Wow. How many of you guys you get tired of your cell phone service? You know, I mean, I just had a, an overage. I mean, it was horrible because I went and got oh, my data coverage. I went over to my data coverage. And, man, it was just beat me up over that. But I have some good news today. I want to tell you about Ting. Ting is the new way of doing cell phone service. And it comes from, from somebody who's very familiar to almost everybody. You've almost all heard of Two Cows. And that is who he runs Ting. And uh, they mean they got some great rates. I mean, if you look at the plans, and uh, they're uh, a use what you pay for what you use type of service. Where if you don't use the five hundred dollars, five hundred minutes a month that you paid for nine dollars for, and you've only used a hundred minutes of it, they will drop you down to the next level, which is three dollars for the hundred minutes. Have you would your cell phone service actually take and? drop your rate because you didn't use all the minutes that you bought? No. This is the first company I've ever heard. It's a whole new way of doing business. And let's look here. Let's look at some of these rates. 500 minutes a month. If you're using 500 minutes a month, it's $9. So I don't even use close to 500 minutes a month. So I'd be $9 for the phone service. I don't do that many text messages. Uh, let's say I'd be at most 100 So that's $3 a month. And let's say I do a gigabyte a month in data. So that's $24. So my total bill through Ting is $42 a month. And if I don't use that much data, it'll drop the price. And if I use more, it just brings the price up to the next tier. It's all completely automatic, which is awesome. No company has ever done this before that I've ever heard of. Uh, they always want to take your money and, and charge you overage fees. And if you do go over, there's no fee. You just charge, you just pay for the extra usage that you use for that month. There's no fine for going over and using the service. It doesn't make any sense to be able to, to be able to find you for that. So yeah, they have great rates. Um, plans starting as low as nine dollars a month, and I mean really nine dollars a month. That's for hundred minutes a month. So you could get the cheap phone for your kids for emergencies or for your grandparents or whatever. No overage plans. Like I said, there is no more fear. And there's no anger and there's no suspicion or worry about. You're going to go over that made-up limit that your current provider has given you. And then we, and when you know you've gone over it, you wait for that heavy bill to come every month. And you know you're holding it like it's a bomb getting ready to go off before you open it up. And if you don't use it all, like I said, you get credit back. You don't use what you thought you would, they'll give you, they'll drop you down the next tier and you won't pay that much uh, for that month. And that's revolutionary. There's no carrier I've ever heard of that's done this before. It's awesome. You can put multiple devices on one plan. I mean, how many plans did your family have? Most families have two to three plans, cell phone plans, and they're not like a family plan. With Ting, it's real easy. You add a phone, you just pop it on the plan and it comes right up. Uh, and it starts working right away. And you can actually go out into the dashboard and understand how you, your family is using the de using the service, too. Are they getting close to going over the minutes? Do you want to get a better price for your minutes, go up to the next tier? Uh, do you want to drop certain things down? You know, you can watch how everything's going in nice, easy-to-understand graphs right on the right on the dashboard. It's great. Uh, there is, like I said, there's no fees or limits on usage. So let's say uh, you have a carrier and you have unlimited minutes, and now you've gone over the two gigabyte limit and they're going to start speed slowing you down you have to worry about that here there is none of that here ting allows you to use all that you want there is no limitations and no additional fees uh for that tons of free features too i mean it does not make any sense these other carriers are charging you for your data then they want to charge you to, to tether your phone why it's your data you're going to use it after all right so it doesn't make sense. With Ting, there is no additional charges. There's free tethering, free hotspotting, free number porting in either direction, in or out. If you want to leave Ting, they'll, they'll gladly help you get to the carrier you want to go to. Free picture and video messaging. 
all those normal call services, call forwarding, call waiting, voicemail, all that's included in Ting. And get this, there is no contracts. What would you do if you left your current carrier right now? Are you under contract? Would you have to pay a penalty to get out? With Ting, there are no contracts. So you can cancel any time without any penalty. You can bring your own device or buy one from Ting. They'll work with you however. They're very flexible. You do whatever you want. No problem. And think about this. I mentioned before about the $9 a month. Think about strategically used devices. For example, your mother who doesn't normally use a cell phone and getting up there in years, you want to stick one in a glove box in case she breaks down somewhere. Nine bucks a month. That is great insurance for having your family be able to get in touch. And that's 100 minutes a month. I mean, if, if you don't use the 100 minutes, it's even less than it because down to zero. So if it's not used, I mean, it's a great way to keep a device around that is easily usable. So yeah, it's, it's great. Um, they bring, uh, you can bring your own device, like I said, and they have great devices to buy. They have, a, they have a lot of devices. Let's go take a look what we have for, for the devices. You'll see very modern devices, lots of Android out here. There's a uh, Samsung LG, all the big names are out here. There's more Samsung. There's a, there's a Samsung X3, the most popular Android phone on the market. And you can get the S3 in multiple colors and multiple sizes right here in Ting. And you buy the phone and it's your phone. There is no contract to worry about. And for those strategic phones like I was talking about, here are phones that are really cheap Samsung phones um, that you can use in the glove box for emergencies. Just keep them charged every once in a while. And, I mean, they're really inexpensive. And you can also get your uh, wireless devices for data as well, right from Ting, Ting directly. So there's also, they have something else that I've never heard of before, and it's the no hold customer support. Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., there is no hold. They turn hold off. So you when you call, it rings until somebody picks it up. There is no going into the queue or anything like that. And they pick it up fast, too. And their support staff, they're empowered. They don't have to go to their supervisor to get things. They give you the real name, none of these made-up names. They actually all post in their pictures and everything, and, and they post the blogs. Um, they're kind of, the way they describe themselves is like, you have that person in your family who comes and fixes your computer, your nephew or whatever. They hire people like that, that already know how to use the phones, and they just train them on the Ting way. It's awesome. They, I mean, they're already up to speed, super smart. And no hold. There is none of this waiting in the queues and pressing numbers. And it's just immediately ready to a person. They're, and they're all empowered to fix your issue. Uh, there's those clear, easy to read graphs on the usage on the page. Easy to understand bills. Cancel anytime. And as you saw on the phones, they are very Android family friendly. The, you know, the operating system that's the most popular operating system right now in the world, Android. And they embrace Android and their coverage is awesome. You should go to their site and check out their coverage and see what you can get. They use other major carriers to um, provide the service. So it's not like they're building out their own network. They are already there. There's nothing new to build out. They probably cover you everywhere you go right now. And I definitely recommend you go out and check them out. Now, we have a special offer for you from Ting, from TechZen.TV. You can get $25 off your first bill or $25 off your phone if you buy the phone from Ting. And the way you get that is you go to tech-zen.tv slash Ting, and you'll go right to the special page just for us and get $25 off of your first bill or the first or the device that you buy. And uh, that's all just for listening to us. So, and that was something, I appreciate Ting supporting us here. 
And I definitely recommend you go check them out. This is the way of the future, the new way to do cell phone service. Okay, that was Ting. They're great. They're our new sponsor for us here. Uh, we love them, and you see them at the front of the show as well. Uh, but that is it for this week. I will see you live in two weeks. Have a great time. For show notes for this show, contacts, and more, go to the techzen.tv website where you can get show notes for all of our shows. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. We have an email, a Twitter, and a phone number where you can contact us for each show. For details, visit the techzen.tv website and get the show details. You can also make a video and upload it somewhere like YouTube or Vimeo and then just send us a link. You never know, you may see your video in a future show. You can get all of our shows delivered automatically to your favorite device by going to your favorite podcast website like iTunes and subscribing. Each of our shows also has a YouTube channel you can subscribe to to get regular updates. Our shows are also available on most internet radio networks like Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. You can also watch and listen to our shows on Xbox, TiVo, and Roku. You can even find us on your Zoom.